right, there we go. Welcome, everyone, to our final show of our 2021 live stream extravaganza. We are joined by president, founder, all-around good guy, John Bach, <laughs> the boss here at Puget Systems. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the state of the industry, um, computer hardware, and, and sort of just, um, well, yeah, I guess supply chain stuff, how things have been, how they are how they're going to be. And um, so, yeah, let's, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll just start there. Before we even get started, I want to say sure. awesome job this week. Holy oh. cow. <laughs> stream after stream after stream. And, and, and uh, you know, first of all, organize all that and then facilitate all that. Um, I, I told you yesterday, like, I pride myself in watching all of our streams. I couldn't keep up. I'm going to be watching those <laughs> for a few weeks, but uh, yeah. really good content. And it's really cool when we get more than one person on the stream and you get everyone talking to each other. Oh, it was great. If anyone has not seen our streams from this week, they'll all be there. Go, go check them out. It's cool stuff. Yes. And uh, I have a separate playlist for them all. And also our landing page on the website. Um, all those links are there as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it's not just me though. The marketing team in general really, really put me into contact with all the right people and, and having that stuff. So I Big shout out to our whole marketing team. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess let's let's just start. How are things? How are things for for us and and I suppose at the industry at large? Well, for the industry at large, bad. <laughs> for us, not as bad. <laughs> um, well, it's just a rough year, right? And mm -hmm. and I guess when you say okay, what do we even mean by what is the state of the industry? Sure. Well, I mean. First thing I think, like even when I saw this topic come up for the stream, I'm like, oh, we're talking about supply, right? Because that's all everyone is talking about. And that's true. That's like the number one thing that is on the mind of everyone in, in multiple industries, let alone the tech industry. Um, but it's just, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now and they're all intertwined together. We have mm -hmm. product launches um, coming up. Everyone's keeping a real close eye on like what's going on with NVIDIA, what's going on with Intel, what's going on with AMD. And it's exciting. Like we, we have competition where there hasn't been in a long time. And that's like, that is doing the job that competition is supposed to be doing. We have more and more exciting things coming out. Um, and they're coming out at a time when there's all these supply challenges. So it's all interweaved together. Um, so man, I, honestly, I don't even barely know where to start. Um, but I guess, should we start with supply? Yeah, that's a good place. I think, cause it affects everything. It's cause I mean, supply of what? even you know yeah just the, the chips is it the silicon it's everything yeah i mean kind of everything and, and frankly if there's if there's anything that anyone would like to ask about like specific questions hey i'm an open book because mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is like you know we have a supply chain challenge it's just like a running you know, what are we talking toilet paper <laughs> video cards it, um honestly it's kind of um a similar situation with with a lot of industries in that um, we have had a world that has been mostly stable in terms mm -hmm. of what the worldwide demand is. And then you start doing funny things with it, like whenever the world into lockdown and it changes buying behaviors and the PC industry uh, specifically. And I was, I was at dinner with somebody last night that said it's the same thing for the toilet paper industry. Oh, worldwide man. demand is very stable. Same thing for toilet paper. And so you go upsetting that and there just is not capacity to handle that. Mm. And so the, the PC industry is usually measured in like how many single digit percents did the did the PC industry change that year? Oh. And so then you go and you, you throw like, well, now we have a 30% increase in demand. And, you know, it takes it takes five to eight years and billions of dollars to build fab facilities to be able to handle increased demand. So, you know, when Intel says we're working on it, we're investing, it's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. Give them some grace. It's, it just takes time to do that. And then we've just been in the middle of that. So, right. you know, where we sit is we're trying to provide all these products to, to our clients and we're seeing even more explosion than you're seeing in the PC industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just, just nuts, like triple triple um what what we were doing before and you know so we've had to mature our internal processes on how to do that mm -hmm. um, we've had to amend all of the forecasts that we give to our supply chain up up the up the pipe so you know if we say like hey remember that time when i told you i needed 100 units ah, actually i need 300 but then all of our customers are saying that you know mm -hmm. so 
Um, so yeah, it, so it, it's difficult. There really is a supply and demand imbalance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you throw on top of that all the problems that you're hearing about with the ports and logistics, getting things from overseas. Uh, the fact that we're having to import so much in from like Taiwan and China, uh, you got boats sitting in the ports. Um, I was really pleased to see the ports going to 24 hour and having deals with like UPS and Walmart to like do pickups in the middle of the night so that it takes strain off the daytime. Nice. So there's yeah. just like, there's just worker shortages and boat shortages and container shortages. Right. Uh, we, we had to pay for a container of power supplies to come over here. We had to pay $40,000 to get a container. Um, Just a container? A container. I mean, normal would be like, I don't know, two or 3,000. Wow. So it, it is nuts. Um, and we have to plan around that. And so when you see that the price of things is going up, yeah, that's, that's why the price of things is going up. Right. So we do as much as we humanly possibly can to deal with all of that problem through planning, forethought, forecasting, relationship management with suppliers. And for the most part, we've been really wildly successful at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that we can um, keep like a stable demand and talk to our suppliers, talk about what supply we think we're going to need six months from now, that's really what been what uh, what has saved us. And huge props to um, our purchasing team. I'll even give a shout out to Stacey, uh, specifically on our purchasing team, um, has just been a wizard with that type of stuff. Um, and if it weren't for that, boy, we've been, we've been a world of hurt uh, right now. So what that means is, we can we can service our customers, um, and um, that's part of the reason why we have seen a tripling in demand. Mm-hmm. Is when we can say, "Hey, because of that planning we did, um, we can help you." So, yeah, here you go. Yeah. I think it's cool too that we're we've been able to keep up with our with our own like sort of personal demand without compromising our the our philosophy toward things we're not we, we haven't added a bunch of product to our, to our product line um we're still you know keeping very tight to our our processes our testing and we're only offering the stuff that that makes sense to the customers um you know we're not buying weird exploding power supplies or, or <laughs> stuff like that um and and still able to stay on top of everything is is tremendous and you know uh, and i'll be i'll be an open book here that like um, it, there's like a spectrum on it, right? So there are products where we can move to an alternate, like we go from one brand to another brand and like nobody did. Like it's still right. a nice high quality product. That's an acceptable change. And so we'll do that when that when it is acceptable. There's other times where like, no, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be junk if we move to this alternate. And so we have to, we have to balance. Like sometimes we have to do additional work to qualify alternatives and that's our plan A. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to say like, there is no good alternative. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to forecast four months in advance. We're going to have to stock a little bit more. I don't like for noble, for multiple reasons. I don't like when our first answer is buy up a bunch of stuff because sure. I mean, from a, like a, um, a moral standpoint, well, now we're contributing to the same, rush on the bank, you know, that everyone is doing, trying to buy supply. Right. Um, but then second, you know, now we're just carrying a bunch of inventory and we have cash tied up and all that, and that makes us less nimble. And so there's just a balance. Like we we, we operate through planning first, and sure. then we operate through repurchasing next. Buying stuff directly from China and Taiwan is definitely helpful because we cut out a lot of the, like, the constraint um opportunities along the way uh but that's where we get into like okay now we're spending forty thousand dollars to get a a container over here but Mm -hmm. you know when that's full of two thousand power supplies that actually it doesn't add that much cost per per power supply so hey we do it and now now we have them Nice, nice. Let's see. Uh, we're, we're, I got some question. Um, yeah. Okay. Hill, Hillbilly Convoy on Twitch. Uh, how hard are chips to get in with the shortage? Which which chips? Um, well, is, is, and is it a difference? Like, are some are like, is it easier to get AMD versus Intel, or is Nvidia hard to work with? Or, well, I guess what's interesting for us is, uh, in some ways, we have like I don't want to say maybe I should even say unfair advantages um, in that. Um, well, no, that's not even that's not even true to say. I guess what a lot of people don't understand is like when you're building one computer, you have a whole lot of flexibility to, to be nimble and where you get things and what you pay and what alternatives you do. And it's it's actually it's like exponentially more difficult to run a company 
trying to make you know hundreds and hundreds of units each week and provide a stable supply over the course of a year. Like I have to have a supply chain that can is more than just you know one CPU one time. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we do a whole lot of, of uh, just relationship management with our entire supply chain, and it's just under this this whole philosophy of um, uh, how can we help each other. And by far, by far, the number one thing that we can do is just be communicative. Um, If we know that three months from now, we're going to need another 800, 800 watt, 850 watt power supplies, we need to tell our distributors that we intend to do that. And they need to tell their distributors that they intend to do that. And eventually the factory needs to know. And so we just have to babysit that a lot and be very communicative. And so then from our customers, we ask the same thing. If you know you're going to be buying, say, 50 computers next month, even if it's even if you're not sure yet, tell us, because we need to start planning. And the, the more planning we can do, the more successful we'll be. I imagine, I imagine since we seem we target more um, professional industries, it, it's yeah. probably a little easier for us than our contemporaries. Like, say, um, you know, I always pick on Origin. They always the top of mind to me. But, but since they tend to do almost one-offs, a lot of single PC sales, it, it, we must have it a little easier. Well, and when you think about like volumes and whatnot, so you have a supply constraint in the world and, and you have say like a mainstream PC company that are building like $800 PCs, but like the only way, and the way that that business model works is you sell like 10,000 units a month. So, you know, you sell a whole bunch of computers and it's really difficult to get 10,000 processors. Whereas, you know, we're building 20, $25,000 high-end Threadripper Pro workstations. And, you know, we're not definitely not doing 10,000 units a month on those. We're doing a fair clip of them, but it's a whole lot easier to go and find 20 processors than Mm -hmm. it is to find 10,000. And if you think of it from a factory mindset, if you're working on like, okay, what, chips should my factory produce when I have worker shortage and a logistics shortage and a raw material shortage? Well, you'll build your high-end chips. And so the high performance stuff is definitely the most protected uh, from supply shortage. So yes, we definitely enjoy being less crunched than others um, with that problem. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I wonder too, um, because I imagine it's tough all the way back, like you said, all the way to the, to the factory even. Um, how close do we get to that side of things? I guess, does that make sense? Does the question come out right? Yeah, well, I think that's, so when we do order things directly from Taiwan or China, that definitely helps because there's less hops along the way where something could go wrong and less like people that have to be on the same page. So like Mm -hmm. when we can buy a a flat of um, anything, motherboards or power supplies direct from the factory, that just makes it a lot easier because we can plan directly with the factory. It's just, it's like a game of whack-a-mole with with supply though, because, you know, it started with, I don't even know where, I don't, I don't remember where it started, but let's say GPUs, you know, the GPU shortage and then that got a little better. And then there's a CPU shortage and then AMD came out and competed with Intel, but then AMD couldn't keep up with supply on that. And like, so it's, constantly one thing or another but then it started getting really bad when it was like well now there's a wi-fi chip shortage and that just so now like all motherboards with wi-fi are now impacted with this but then it gets even worse and the the latest has been a a pcb shortage so like the raw is it plastic you know the the raw material that's you make the substrate that then all the chips go on to now that's in shortage so what's effective everything um so you know again we are saved a little bit in the fact that the high-end stuff is where you're going to prioritize in those situations uh but then again it just comes back to forecasting uh Mm -hmm. we have to give a reliable forecast into our supply chain or else none of this can happen So uh, to to kind of maybe shift a little bit. um, So this is the 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 company Puget has pretty much been your baby from the very beginning. All you've done is basically run the company. Yeah. Um, What has that been like? Where where do you go to learn? Like how a business is supposed to run, like and and things like that. What have you done to kind of stay ahead of the curve in order to keep this ship moving forward, uh, like safely? I'm there's the answer I want to give that I shouldn't give. And then there's the answer. <laughs> the answer I shouldn't give is like, well, in 20 years, you can make just about every mistake that's possible to make. <laughs> and I'm, but I'm finding new and and creative ways to make mistakes. Uh, no, I, I, but I mean, yes, I guess for that is partially true. Like just over time. 
you step on enough rakes, you learn how to how to walk through the through the minefield. Um, but then also, you know, it's again, it comes back to relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking with talk, just talking with people. Talk with our distributors. How can we work together better? Talk with Intel. How can we work together better? Uh, talking with our peers. Uh, sometimes, you know, if we can pool. We haven't we haven't taken this step, but we've definitely had conversations of like if we can pool our demand together and provide a more stable picture um, mm-hmm. to the supply chain, how can we work together and, and be better? Um, and then for me personally, you know, so as this business has grown over 20 years, um, I have con- like constantly been out of my comfort zone because every time I get comfortable, then we keep growing and now I'm uncomfortable again. And so <laughs> to me, um, networking with other business owners that are in similar boats to to us or uh, mentorship programs. Um, oh, man, it's been it's been wildly um, helpful to me uh, to have that. Uh, w- what is it that some other people have said, I love a mentor because um, they don't care. <laughs> is, that, is that a weird way to say it? They're not there to like, you know, nod and smile anytime I say something. Like they'll hold me accountable. They'll tell me if something I'm doing like sucks. They'll just tell me that. Um, and that's what I need. Uh, so, you know, people to challenge me like that, people that have walked the path that, you know, this is not the first time a company has grown, right? So, sure. um that have walked the path that I've walked before save me from making mistakes that are like easily missed. Um, now in 2020 and 2021, there's a lot of scenarios that none of us have experience um, navigating, but you know, we even have that in common that we're all, we're all just figuring this out. Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, we have a, a question from YouTube. Stephen Barton asks, how can I convince my boss to purchase our new video editing workstation from y'all instead of Dell or HP? He's really loyal to those companies. <laughs> those bleepily bleeps. Those companies. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I understand why, why they would be, weirdly loyal uh it's you know it's the same no one got fired for buying ibm you know if it's been work if it it, if your business has not ceased to function on those machines then why would you take stick your neck out to someone different um i would say you know the biggest thing that we i i would pose is just to show the that um we are just as much an expert in the workflow of the of the end users as we are in the hardware and that's i i th- i mean that frankly because of how difficult i know that is because we do it i know how much value that provides um because what it does is it frees up those end users to not have to worry about it their job is to make videos their job is to design skyscrapers their job is to make rockets um so go make rockets um and let us uh be the ones in charge of uh, making sure the systems are running so but you know still we're just like this who company in seattle i've never heard of you and totally understand that um so we've been pretty successful and just like do a demo do a demo do a pilot just get approval for one machine mm-hmm. um there is a lot of organizations i can't name very many of them unfortunately but there's a lot of organizations that we have now infected the entirety it's it's funny when it happens too because it's like somebody an engineer buys a computer and now all of their neighbors have a computer and then the entire floor has has our computers we infect the organization <laughs> yeah. so it's that way just like try one get an approval for one see how that goes and then make the business case from it it is mm-hmm. every day in fact today you probably saw will or uh, houston in the internal chat in our company that we had somebody talking about it was adele oh, um mm-hmm. that said oh man once we had your machines it's like night and day the engineers that have your machines are working the engineers who don't are getting stuck and the machines are crashing so you know let the case make itself by just trying it yeah that, that i mean i feel like that could be a case study on its own because they they did a they they said it was an a b testing they had one team using other company another team working on the same project or the same like kind of project. And yeah, it was super cool. And you know what? And if that isn't true, then we don't deserve the business. So, you know, let it, let it happen. Uh, and, and how we deal with when things go wrong, I think is just in fact, more important than how does the machine work in the first place? Mm-hmm. Because it all comes down to protecting the time of the end users. And when the machines are working properly, there's no, everyone's time is, is already being protected. So what happens when things go wrong? Yeah. Our, our support team is amazing. Yes. Um, and they, they understand the workflows. They understand the criticalness of these computers. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's probably our biggest thing is, is the support and understanding of, of our customers. 
Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, SRO Digital on YouTube uh, asks, John, to circumvent the current restriction you impose supplying workstations outside the USA, would you consider setting up a satellite branch of Puget in the UK or Europe? Yeah. We get this uh, question pretty often. I know we get it a lot. And so I need to be <laughs> um, I, I emphasize and I really want to. But I, but I also hold to our to our values that if, if it's not going to go well, if it's not going to be a good experience for the end users, it'd be better for us to say no with pain and empathy to that than to get into it and not do what I just said we did. You know, when I just said our job is to keep you up, even uh, keep you working, even when something goes wrong, we can't do that as effectively uh, with a satellite branch. Um, and so not ready to take that step. What I am doing, and so I guess just like what we can talk about though is okay, if the company continues to grow, we can get to the point where that's economically feasible and volume feasible to do that. Uh, honestly, it's not really even on my radar yet. Uh, we still have quite a bit of growing here to do domestically. What we are trying to do and what we are working on as like a good stopgap to that is what companies and other geographies follow our quality standards, follow our philosophy that we can actually feel good saying, you know what, we can't help you, but I would recommend this company. It's a lot of work just even doing that. And we've been talking about that for a couple of years now, but that that's the philosophy of, of where we think we'll go before we talk about actually getting ourselves into another co uh, country. Yeah. Plus, I imagine just just the, the paperwork, just the first initial steps of trying to become a, a an international company. I, I, yeah. Man, just saying that out loud, give me goosebumps. Like, that's going to be tough. Yeah. There are all kinds of rules and stuff. To, I can't I can't imagine just all the complexity of, of trying yeah. to. That is a like that's a big piece of it. How um, getting uh, talk talk about getting out of my comfort zone. So I mean, it'll probably end up that the, when the time comes for that to happen, what it'll probably look like is to partner with an established business over there that has the supply chain worked out and the manufacturing and the logistics all worked out, and then we'll work together on like what does it mean to build a PC? How can we align our philosophies? Because uh, because that can be managed quite a bit easier mm -hmm. internationally than to actually have boots on the ground and a facility in a different geography. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. But I, I'm looking at the chat too, but William uh, Payne makes a, a great point that, you know, even when we don't have our machines um, in, a, in another uh, country, our information is. So, mm -hmm. you know, have at it and don't take, don't have, don't hold hoster or don't foster any guilt. Um, if you like read our cool. articles and then use that knowledge to go buy a PC somewhere else, that's why we publish. Uh, because if we didn't, it, we wouldn't really, our, our, our primary motivation is to kind of uplift the entire tech industry and, and creative industries. And mm -hmm. so uh, that's one way that we can do that. So go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know um, at the beginning of all of this, these unprecedented times, um, it was a, there was a concern of, um, you know, maybe people aren't going to be buying these high-end PCs like they used to because everybody's going to be at home or, or they're shutting down production studios and stuff and people being furloughed and all this stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, we, it turns out that was yeah. not the case. Um, I definitely messed up that one. <laughs> well, which I mean, super cool. I'm looking at, at your recent blog post. This is we're seeing double to three time three X increase in demand for our workstations. Um, why, why did that, can you speak to that at all? Well, I mean, when you hear about, yeah, well, so, I mean, just to, just to address uh, the, the comment first, like, yeah, I, I thought, you know, rewind 18 months, you know, February of 2020, my prediction was let's all to go into hibernation for a couple months. So let's, you know, let's quiet things down. Let's pause hiring. Um, and then we'll come out of the other side of this whole COVID thing and we'll, we'll start things back up. That's what I thought was going to happen. I was wildly wrong. Um, but you hear about, increases in demand in the tech industry overall and you got to be careful about like what you're talking about uh because like in the very beginning of the pandemic it was this like rush for work from home machines and it's the same reason like you couldn't find a webcam for like six months um but those machines were just like anything 800 laptops any sort of computer and so honestly we didn't that's not where we felt it as much uh, because we don't provide those kind of machines because um, those companies at that point were just trying to weather the storm for a few months. How do we keep our workers working during that time? But then what happened is as it elongated into like, oh, this is actually going to be a while. And then, oh, actually, this is a new normal that like a lot of people are never coming back to the office. Um, it, you know, you're not going to get by with this $800 workstation anymore. 
And so that's when we started to see more demand um, as companies had to outfit all these employees with not just something, but the right tool for the job. And so it was really like later in the year, like October timeframe that we started to see a really big increase. Um, But then there's like, there's secondary effects, like what industries have thrived under pandemic. And so like for us, one of them is like game uh, gaming companies. You know, there's a lot of people that are spending time or spending money on things that they can do at home rather than going out to eat and going to movies and whatnot. And so that industry blossomed. Um, and as a result, they hire. And as a result, they need more PCs. And so a lot of times it really for us keeps coming back to we supply the developers in just about any process, whether you're developing or creating, creating content, whether you're creating code, whether you're creating you know, science, um, we don't tend to offer cubicle machines, you know, front right. frontline worker, just any, any time to appear. And we don't tend to offer big cloud like server farms. We operate in the middle where like where the where the stuff is made. And there's just a whole lot of that stuff going on in, in the last few years. I think that's one thing. And then the second piece is just, okay, we've also navigated the supply exceptionally well. We have supply. We have the ability to produce. So, you know, if, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> right. I'm curious, um, is there a particular, like, segment that um, kind of blew up in in this that we weren't really expecting? Oh, well, I, I think game dev is probably the, the biggest. Um, right. um you know, that's not even something that we specifically target. Like, we don't even have a recommended system for game development, but we do have for Unity and Unreal and, and the various game engines. But, you know, those those types of workflows tend to be, like, gaming-like computers, but also Visual Studio and, and you know, different uh, code compiling tools. So that, you know, that was one for sure. Um, and then the, the in the content creation area, which is our primary, that's, that's the most of what we do. Um, just, you know, how much has changed in that industry around virtual production and um, visual effects and whatnot um, that just change alone has driven a lot of of people our way because with these new workflows there's also a lot of questions around you know what is a normal setup and what is an ideal setup for these workflows and the pandemic is like the great level setter we're like actually everyone is figuring this out on their own now which means they're especially dependent on companies like us who can do the testing and who can help answer those kind of questions yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to hear that um, gaming kind of has has kind of blown up, or game development in general, because you think um, with their sort of workflow that they would, regardless of what's really happening, kind of worldwide, that they'd have kind of a forecast of their own. They'd say, okay, yeah, we got a new whatever Call of Duty mm-hmm. every, every other year. We know we're going to hire on a certain amount of people to to cover that and and sort of to hear that oh we need more people now even is is kind of an interesting well and it, you know it's also a little bit for us of like being in the right place at the right time so we have supply at a time when there's all these activities going on so you know these gaming companies are probably also sending more of that business our way mm-hmm. just as much as it is that they're hiring new people <laughs> um I have I have some questions, but I know that um, it's going to be a balance of like secret versus okay. what we can actually talk about. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about um, Intel's graphics card. Oh yeah, and 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 one like whatever we can talk about. I know is probably very little, but also um, like is I don't know. Like, are they going to be able to compete? Really? I mean, or. And, and, and I mean, from the whole chain of it. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, okay. Man, what can I talk about? I don't yeah, know. I'm sorry. I don't, I know I don't remember what I can talk about. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, like, you know, this is still a little ways out. So even if I thought I knew things, you know, there's still so much that could, that could play out. Um, but I guess, you know, from, from a high level, I'm just, I'm certainly excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. For the same reason, I'm excited about AMD being more competitive. Uh, because anytime an industry doesn't have that, it's, you, you get, wonky stuff that happens that are anti-consumer um so i'm i'm definitely excited about it i do think that there are some things that um intel can uniquely bring to the equation of um you know having the whole platform plus video card how they can work together their one api for like development tools whether it's cpu or gpu uh so cool stuff and and pat being at the helm as ceo is like 
uh, okay, what I can say is you know, like working with Intel directly for this many years, I have never seen Intel so like vibrant and excited and hopeful and motivated. Um, so I'm I'm in their corner. I'm rooting for them. It doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of any other company. Right. I just love when when people are are working hard, putting out good products, and driving each other to to be even better. Mm-hmm. Their new boss is an engineer, right? He came. He came from an engineering background. I believe so. Pal- yeah. So, he, I believe I so. Now, now I'm nervous that I can't can answer that really well. But, but he definitely understands. You know. But you know what? I don't know that I would even say that. That's like what makes him strong as a CEO because he's oh, okay. not going around saying like these are the technical things that I that you know technical decisions that need to be made. Sure. It's it's more that he's providing a very clear vision. And he's willing to take risks and he's willing to say, here's what we're doing. We're going all in on this because I believe in it. Um, and he's just he's really good at rallying everyone under him to like row in that same direction and give it everything they have. And when it comes to, you know, first of all, just like even productivity or, or like product quality coming out of your team, that's important. But then it's also like you have to have that enthusiasm and direction and hope to attract good people onto your team. And so, you know, they, they, they still have plenty of challenges and, you know, any big company does, but I have, I have never in my professional life seen Intel in such a, um, um, I don't, I don't want to say strong position cause they're just not there yet, but a hopeful position. Yeah. Cool. Uh, oh, I guess we'll, we'll touch on, on this question from Kentucky Ranger about uh, Windows 11. I've heard a lot about Windows 11 and have chosen to hold off upgrading. Uh, have you all had issues with your new systems shipping with Windows 11? Kentucky Ranger, you are making the right decision. <laughs> yes, our official stance is very emphatically hold off. Um, what we there's a customer I talked to the other day where he's he he was talking to me about the Windows Seven launch. So mm-hmm. we were offering Vista, and really, you know, anything other than Vista would have been an improvement. Um, <laughs> but we get to the Windows Seven launch, and we were like, and in fact, we had a way. It wasn't like a loophole, but we had a way to offer the Windows 7 launch prior to the actual launch date. And it was totally kosher. We could totally do it. And it was like a week ahead of time. And like we went for it. We, we got all the copies. Um, any customer that had a Windows Vista computer on the on the production floor, we said like, hey, I know you didn't ask for it, but we'd like to give you Windows 7. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And, and it was because it was a great launch. Good and really so this customer I was talking to said... Um, well, why didn't you do that for me on Windows 11? Like, I have a computer on the production floor right now. You didn't upgrade me. What what gives? Are you like, are you are you guys off your game? Are you are you like trying to sell me your old inventory? What's up? And I had to tell him like, no, the product launches have changed in the last decade, and the the days when a product is is strong and vetted and tested and good on launch day, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Um, so, and Windows 11 is especially like mysterious um, because, on the one hand, it looks like oh, it's just a rescan Windows 10. What could possibly go wrong? But you got to understand that there's a lot of architecture changes. That yes, there are a lot of just skinning changes, which actually I'm kind of excited about. It, it I like the look, I like right. the artwork. I'm kind of jazzed about it. I want to upgrade, but I haven't upgraded. Because the second piece of it is there's architecture things under the under the hood. When you mm-hmm. see these processors, there's more and more processors going to these like performance cores, efficiency cores, like a hybrid model and like chiplet models. And I, I'm talking beyond what I actually know, but like <laughs> it's different, more complicated architecture. Mm-hmm. And that requires the operating system to do more thread uh, management of like what goes where and, and whatnot. And that's just has lots of opportunities to go wrong. Um, and we've seen it. Um, and we, uh, we, we look at the, like the Adobe, uh, Adobe has an official recommendation on Windows 10 versus seven. And they have like, well, there's only a couple programs that are on the vetted list and there's Photoshop and Lightroom. And there's a few others. And they said, but as long as you're okay with like performance problems and a glitchy UI, <laughs> okay, that kind of sounds like not vetted. Yeah. Um, so we're still hopeful of uh, like with Adobe Max around the corner. Maybe that'll be when they do app updates, and then it'll be more Windows 11 ready. But the the fact of the matter is, if you're running like a home PC where like whatever if stuff isn't quite right, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, upgrade. Um, but if you're relying on this to get something done, don't chance it yet. Right, don't chance it yet. I mean, it'll it'll it will get there. There will be a time where we're all on Windows 11. I don't think this is the next Windows 8 or Win- Windows Vista. Um, it'll it'll be okay, but it's just not there yet. 
Yeah. In fact, I just saw, I think it was just this morning, uh, Microsoft and AMD both announced that they, there's an update for Windows 11 yeah. that solves a lot of the performance issues. Um, that, and those were significant. I, I was seeing some 15 to 25% performance loss just upgrading to 11. And so yeah. Yeah. they jumped right on it. It is, um, from what I've read the little bit, uh, it is better. So that's and I, and we're working. You know, we, we're applying those, doing tuning our testing. I was in our product and purchasing team meeting just a couple hours ago, and we, Windows 11 came up. And you know, you kind of go around the room. Supply? Can you get it? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> support? How do you feel about it? Not ready. Uh, product team? How do you feel about it? Not ready. Uh, and so we just reaffirmed that, like, this is the same philosophy we have with any product launch. Mm-hmm. I don't care how exciting it is. If it doesn't work, <laughs> it's not time yet. So we'll hold the line. We'll even give up. You know, if people are saying. Take my money. I'm ready to buy. If it's not ready, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we will do, though, is say, you know, if we know you want Windows 11 and you're, you're, you know, you want to hold off on buying a PC until it's ready, well, tell us, and we'll put you on a list, and we'll let you know when that time comes. And hopefully, it's only another couple weeks. That's probably all we're talking about here. Uh, okay. But until it's ready, you know, it's just it's not ready till it's ready. Honestly, it feels a lot like. Um like a major feature update. Um, I think it was, yeah. I think it was last, last October, there was, there was a big feature update and it like killed a bunch of audio. There was a bunch of audio problems and stuff. And we did the same kind of deal. Uh, you know, we'd have customers calling up, Hey, should I, should I upgrade to the fall update or whatever? And then we'll hold on and just a little bit, let it kind of shake out and then defer, you know, defer those automatic updates. Yeah. So. We actually uh, configure our computers to do a little bit more aggressive deferring than you would normally see. Just because, you know, if this is a mission critical application, don't don't be in the guinea pig end of the spectrum <laughs> when it comes to the updates. And don't don't get me wrong, like I'm not like way down on Microsoft. Um, it, I'm seeing somebody in chat talking about like, yeah, they are responsive. Mm-hmm. In some ways, like they're getting they're feeling more invigorated, like like I was talking about with Intel. But it doesn't change the fact that like if you're using Premiere um, and you got to get out your project on Friday. Installing Windows 11 on Thursday is probably a bad plan. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a good question from Ed Tang, um, a previous guest on our stream, by the way. Um, how long will you be allowed to offer PCs with Windows 10 pre-installed? And I'd like to add a, a kind of a sub-question. Are we? Are there rules like that where Microsoft uh, says, okay, you have to stop, other than, other than like, um, you know, Windows 7 EOL kind of a thing? But like... Yeah. There are, I don't think it's wrong for me to talk about, but there are definitely more and more rules that you have to follow if you are a direct Microsoft account. And so we were saying, I'm buying, like I as Puget Systems and buying Windows keys directly from Microsoft, you have to agree to a lot more things. And it kind of makes sense from their perspective as well. Like if they have a mission, a company mission of like driving adoption to a certain thing, then they want to get, they want to encourage their partners to move. So one of the things that, one of the reasons why I am prideful that we have remained, remained independent is for those reasons. So we buy Windows, um, Windows license is just an open distribution. There's no rules around it. So Ed, the, the answer basically comes like, well, as long as there's keys, <laughs> no limit. Um, I would expect that to be quite a while. I mean, I, I haven't looked, but I bet I could still buy Windows 7 keys. Uh, we're definitely not going to go over to the, you know, the point of buying it from the, the guy in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so we'll say an authorized distribution, but it'll be years at least. Um, as long as there's demand, there's going to be somebody that, that'll keep keep it going. Cool. That's cool. I think yes. doesn't I think Windows even Microsoft says official support through 2025. So we're oh, probably talking on some sort of time scale like that. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's see if, there, if I missed anything. Uh, coming back here. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, more of a topic in general. ARM. The, the yeah. Mac uh, M1 that we just had the, earlier the, at the beginning of the week, actually, Apple had their whole big uh, event. Yeah. And... Um, now this is where I'm bumping into things that I know that maybe I shouldn't talk about as well. But um, the, the general the general hubbub is is great performance all around. This is a kind of a big deal. Um, how does that look for us? Uh huh. Uh huh. No, that's good because you know on, on this on the surface you'd think like uh oh, <laughs> you know does that mean that like Apple's gonna uh, take over the world again? And to some extent, yeah, like, kind of yes. But but that's the beauty of. I mean, Apple with the M1 and the M1 Pro and the M1 Max has has taken the concept to full fruition of a purpose-built hardware 
that is tied to purpose-built software. And they're the the 900-pound enough gorilla uh, to do that, uh, working directly with Adobe to optimize their applications. And so for those applications that are optimized, like, hey, cool. Like, if you're looking for a mobile device to do Windows or uh, Adobe Premiere editing on the road, oh, yeah. Yeah, those look like really nice units. Um, and you really, I don't really ha harbor a lot of fear over that because our purpose is to um, take all the use cases and workflows that we can optimize harbor for and then doing that. So it's the same reason why, like, why don't we sell laptops? Because we don't have anything that we can add to that equation. Um, and so if that means that um, there are less and less like NLE type workflows where we can do that, then so be it. You know, there are so many opportunities for us to focus our time and energy on workflows where we can contribute that why would we why would we take the time when we can't contribute? So there's still a lot to pan out. And, you know, with with Apple, there's absolutely still the, the constraints that they make around, you know, peripherals and upgradability and how much storage and how much RAM. So, like, there's always going to be some amount that, that we can contribute. But, you know, this is the same journey we've been on for a long time, you know, 10 years ago. We, Puget Systems, were building home PCs for web browsing and email. Mm -hmm. Well, now that you do it on your phone. So this is just a continuation of that integration. And that's awesome because everything is uplifted along the way. And uh, we will just continue to climb the ladder and work on more difficult problems. Nice. Uh, oh, from SRO Digital on YouTube, John, did you envisage Puget Systems would be where they are today at the rate of growth when you first started the company? <laughs> You imply that I had a plan. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I don't know. Um, the, the, the fact is, like, when you go over 20 years, there's been nothing like this has been the most shocking year by far, because prior to this, it's just been 10, 15 percent growth every year for 20 years. And so that means that we add on a couple employees every year and we uh, we add a little bit more space than every decade or so. We have to move to a different building. So mostly it's been kind of unexciting. And I tend to look forward like let's have make sure we have a five year plan. But let's be honest, this is a tech industry. How far can you plan in terms of knowing what's going to happen? Um, so the answer kind of is no. And I, you know, the thought exercise sometimes are like, hey, if I could go back in time and talk to college me and say, uh, do you know what you're getting into here? Like, I probably would blow my own mind. Um, uh, but you know, the fact is, when you spread it out over 20 years, it's just you take one year at a time. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Man. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think back to where because I imagine, oh, you know, hey, I can just build some PCs up by myself in the garage or whatever. Sure. And then now there's 50 people out there. You know. There's 63 people, Houston. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I was thinking just production. Oh, just sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah. and, well, and, and, you know, you've been here. How long have you been here? This will be six, six years, six years. Okay. So even in just that time, like how much has it changed? And so you're experiencing the same thing that like if you were to go back to Houston on day one here versus now, it would feel like a huge difference. Oh, but you've been here the entire time. It's just one month at a time, one hire at a time, one computer at a time. Yeah, it's um, and again, uh, in, in the same perspective, this past year or two has been uh, just incredible explosion growth. It's it's mind boggling. I I was part of the first biggest hiring like push that we did. I think it was like six or eight employees all at once. And it's kind of fun. Whew, and you know what's awesome is they're awesome. You would think that like we're desperate. You know, do you have a pulse? We'll hire you. Um, <laughs> but no, the people we've brought on. I, I don't, you know what, I can't even claim like responsibility. Like we have just been blessed um, with amazing people. And especially when we needed people the most, we got like even the most amazing people um, when we needed them the most. So awesome. And it's fun. Like maybe as I get older, I'm turning into more like nostalgic, but um, the, the young kids that we're hiring now, I can call them kids now because I am <gasps> older. Like they're awesome. And they're, they're, and they're, um, they're full of energy and like enthusiasm. And we had a, a quantity 10 of like high-end machines that I heard that uh, two of our new folks um, put together and they like, they, they killed it. Um, they got them out in like in a quick amount of time and they were challenging each other. Like, you know, if we do it this way, I think we can, we can get these out. And, you know, we don't have a culture around here of like, go, 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 just get it out the door. Uh, we definitely like, it has to be right. Um, but, you know, we got customers that are saying like, my hire's starting in three days. Huh? <laughs> when do you get those computers out? So, you know, there's a balance. Mm -hmm. oh, it is super cool. I, I'm, I'm 
it's so cool to be a part of this journey, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, oh, this is an interesting question. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this. But uh, Tulio's tech on YouTube is what's your take on thermal throttling on the M1 oh. chips? I don't know that I know enough about it to be able to comment. I would presume from the comment that um, performance degrades over time through a sustained render just because it's like it's a laptop. Sure. Um, I'm assuming that's the case. I, I don't think. actually know. Sure. Um, yeah. But that is one of the places where um, we tend to focus when it comes to our testing. This started way early on with like M.2 SSDs. We're like, yeah. yeah, sure, you get you get you know 1.5 gigs a second throughput for the first 10 seconds, and then then it tanks. And so we were really early in the um, in the push for heat sinks on the M.2 SSDs. In fact. I hope I'm not getting an ego when I say like, I think we helped shape the industry some in that way. Uh, Cause for the longest time we were applying our own heat sinks. I remember we, mm-hmm. we was it with one of Jerry Berg's PCs. We were like epoxying heat sinks I onto so. the M.2. I know we were doing, I think our own thermal pads at least. But yeah, and, yeah. And, and yeah, we would cut little aluminum, little aluminum guys that, yep. Yeah, that. and so we gave feedback on all, all the ODMs of like, hey, put a heat spreader on that just like you do for the chipset. Now that's that's commonplace. I, we can't claim responsibility, but we were one of the many voices that were saying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the, one of the biggest benefits you get overall with a desktop is like we can we can really design the cooling solution. We first of all know how to do it, and we have thermal imaging to back it up, and we use these like ten pound coolers, and we have to like do all the things to make that safe. Um, but because of that, like what is important to us is what is our sustained performance. Right. And to us, if something thermal throttles because of thermal, um, then our cooling is inadequate. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of our, just our guiding principles. And, and, you know, heck, you can say you have that principle with a laptop, but at the end of the day, like physics is physics, and <laughs> you only have so much of heat dissipation in, a, in such a little thin unit. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still great. You know, it's still great for a lot of applications. It's just, oh. it might not be great if you're doing multi-hour 4K, you know, editing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not too surprised. I mean, think about like your cell phone. If you're playing some high-end video game or something, that, or heck, I play Hearthstone on my phone and it gets hot. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, it always bugs me. I don't know why. When uh, you know, I have my phone mounted up on the dash, right? Mm-hmm. And all it takes is like a hot day with the GPS running, and my phone's like thermal throttling. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Let's see. Uh... Oh, Kentucky Rangers has a nice comment. It says, I love the transparency when I got the message that my RAM going into my system was bad and was being replaced made me feel like family. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We actually have to reinforce that to our team of when things go wrong. Like the first impulse of a human is when something goes wrong to be like, you know, I'll fix it. But, you know, let's not emphasize this one. And so we have to emphasize that actually how we respond to problems is something that that is actually a reinforcing event to our customers that we mm-hmm. found something that we dealt with it. So yeah, we, we encourage that transparency. Yeah. And I think I, I, I see this else um, sprinkled across different, different channels and things that that is um, something very unique to Puget systems is that sort of um, direct, almost direct communication with the person that is actually putting your PC together. Sure. Um, it's um People love it. It's yeah. it, it's not just hey, I ordered and then three months later, poof, my machine appears and yeah. or whatnot. It's it's actually really neat that people can follow along and actually watch the process. And, and we've had people request like, hey, can I send a message back? Or even even more like, hey, can you you got webcams there? Can I have a chat? And now we actually have to protect the time and focus of our people uh, because you know it'll go wildly like when you can't maintain that focus. That's when people make mistakes. So we got to protect that. Uh, but yeah, the the, the phrase that I keep saying every time I give a factory tour here is we don't want to be that faceless internet factory. <laughs> We're people building computers for people. And so anything we can do to foster that uh, human connection is what we want. We like it's awesome. I like it. Plus, um, and, and honestly, it reinforces everything else um, that, go, that goes along with the company, the philosophies of the company. Um, when, when support has an issue, um, they can talk to the person that actually put it together, the person that actually ran the stress tests and say, hey, did you happen to notice anything funny with this? Or, you know, how come this maybe isn't in the right place? Or um, it's not, I mean, the support team is right there, just yeah. 100 feet away from the person that that had hands-on to your machine. And 
It's yeah. Cool. You know, I, I had to do that. Uh, I did that very thing myself the other day. In fact, I'll even put out there some dirty laundry. Like we had a problem with one of, one of our customers. Uh, he got his brand new, shiny, expensive computer from us with a 3090 inside. And he looked in the fan blades and there was dust in there. And it, and it was like, what is this, a used video card? What's going on here, guys? And so um, I was able to cha- cha- trace the supply chain back to be like, okay, no, that went directly from our loading dock right into his computer. What the heck's going on? And so I talked with the person who assembled the computer and the person who quality controlled and the person who shipped it and um, like no shenanigans. Um, so we actually ended up tracing it back to like from our distributor, we got a sealed used card. Um, and we didn't shine the flashlight in there enough to, to notice the dust. But the, the point is like, okay, do we have enough going on that like people would be like, I don't know, that was just unit number 72 that day. I can't remember that. No, they all remembered that computer. And they're like, no, no, there's nothing that stood out about that one. Um, so yeah, it's cool that you can just, you can just have conversations and that's mostly important when things go wrong or when there's a mm-hmm. question that you have to answer and then you just all work together to make it right. And then we move on. And I wonder, I wonder if that is, is common with other, uh, you know, system integrators that, cause I know that, like you were able to trace that probably from the serial number on the on the graphics yeah. card straight to exactly where we bought that from. Oh and yeah. And I wonder if that's the case with that that fidelity is is the case with, I mean, with bigger. I would, I would really hope. So. Right. I would really hope. Well, and at the very least, you gotta you gotta be able to trace where you bought the thing from. But the tools we have internally is able to show us like. Okay, like, you know, Emily received it and then Nick assigned it and this person built it. And like, we have names on the entire chain uh, through the process. So it, it lets you know go who, who to go talk to. Um, but ultimately, in this case, there was nothing to find. Uh, we had to go up, up, up chain to our supplier. Wow. That's, that's cool. Yeah, right on. Uh, oh, Deddy on Twitch asks What change would, would John make in the space if he could? In like the industry or in our building? Uh, let's let's go higher level. Just industry in general. I think that there is way too much force in play. Well, hmm. the the way that a lot of companies compete is just silly. Um, we try to the, the industry as a whole. Now we don't, but the, the industry as a whole tries to compete on like how can I stand out from the crowd from a hardware standpoint. Hmm. Um, and so that's how you end up with like, what's that? Well, so it's kind of weird because we all have access to basically the same hardware. So how do you yeah. stand out? Well, so, but then you end up and you know, I don't want to throw any particular company on the bus because like everyone does it, but like whether you're looking at motherboards or video cards or power supplies, it's either how can it be more like catchy looking and then you get just like clown car, like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> or you compete on price and you're finding all the creative ways you can cut corners because yeah. everyone is motivated to not just offer the cookie cutter exactly the same power supply or same video card or same motherboard. And, you know, honestly, I don't even know. I, I know how we solve that is like, we, we don't care. Um, we know that the product itself is not the exciting part. It's what it does that's yeah. exciting. So like, I don't care that our computers don't look like a laser skull fest. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but the fact is that's how most of the industry works. And it's about, you know, when you're on the Amazon shelf alongside a hundred other units, how are you going to catch someone's eye mm-hmm. or how are you going to stand out and review? Oh man. And then they're okay. Reviews. So then in reviews, you have an incentive built into the system to like, how can you push it just past redline enough that you don't get into trouble, but mm. you still come out as like the fastest unit. And so Intel has this spec and AMD does too, of like, this is the frequencies. This is what's supposed to happen under certain situations. This is how throttling is supposed to happen. And the motherboard manufacturers in this case are like financially motivated to break those rules. And they're not even rules, like they're allowed to do it, but they're they're financially incentivized to do risky things. Sure. And, and the reviews come out great because, you know, the reviews don't have to address what happens after a year from now. That's why I love when like, 
Steve Steve Burke from Gamers Nexus like put someone on blast for like exploding power supplies uh, because <laughs> we got it as an industry we have to hold ourselves accountable to the long term mission not just like how can we make more sales this month yeah. so I would just love it if that just weren't the case in the entire industry yeah. maybe that's not even a computer industry thing it's just like a world thing of like how can we make cheaper junk that looks flashier and sells more but then it's at the cost of like, you know, I got to buy new shoes every six months because they were cheap. You know, right. I would much rather only buy stuff every couple of years. I would gladly pay more for it, but our society is not built to value that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned the review thing too. I just, um, I think Samsung just recently came under some, some finger wagging from uh -huh. the public about sending like higher performing review units to YouTubers and whatnot. And then like the actual product on the shelf has like, has like different chips and, and it's not the same. And they, they got called out in a big way for that. And yeah. Well, I didn't hear that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not defending cause I don't even know this story, but sometimes like, it's unintentional. Like the, the industry is running at breakneck speed and you're just trying to like, trying to get things worked out for launch and you get your review samples out and then you realize, oh, actually these are unstable. I got to tune things down a little bit, but the review samples already went out. And, but you know, it all kind of comes down to the fact that like we're running as fast as we possibly can and we're going to trip sometimes and people would like to assign nefarious mode. And there probably are lots of times where there's nefarious motives, but a lot of times it's just, we, somebody messed up and you know, something didn't go according to plan. And I, I get that feeling too. Like, like somebody probably was scraping the bottom of the barrel and they, they put the wrong stuff in the wrong place or just had to kind of cut a corner that, like, Hey, I have a quota to meet kind of a thing. I don't, I don't think that they were deliberate in it, but who knows? Um, yeah. I really like this question from William Payne um, on YouTube. He said, yes, how can, uh, how can us, oh, we, awesome. we as computer-wide or worldwide computer users help make Puget systems better? How can we give back? And that is a good question. That's cool. I think first and foremost, so the thing that's the most um, not natural for us is when we say that we need to be experts in the workflow just as much as we are the hardware. Like at its core, we're still hardware geeks here. And so like Good. that's easier for us <laughs> than to understand people's workflows. And so when you engage uh, with us and like you're on these live streams, you're asking questions, like we're, this is a two-way street. Like we're not getting on these live streams to just try to like project things out. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're sad about events not happening. Mm -hmm. I would even say the majority of the benefit we got out of events was we immersed ourselves in the world of our customers and like we learned. And so first of all, if you are in a particular world <laughs> um, that you can help us understand, participate, talk to us, uh, be in the live streams, comment, ask probing questions, uh, challenge us. Um, we really do want to understand those industries. So that would be by far the best way to help. Uh, then second, just, you know, if you want to help us in a more direct way, just share. Um, a lot of the people that take the time to attend these streams and get to know us are oftentimes the people that are like, they're the tech knowledge people that their friends go to. And so if uh, people are looking for a recommendation, just drop us on, even if it's international, because again, our, our knowledge can be helpful to someone. And that general like awareness of us helps us in so many ways, not just selling computers, but when I talk about like our supply chain and the relationship mm -hmm. we have with suppliers, well, part of that is our reputation with that supplier. And so just general uplift is helpful to us. Mm -hmm. And I would say just from so I'm if, for those who don't know I'm the I'm the social media manager I'm the, the the person behind all of our social accounts I would love to know more about the trouble that that you guys have the the pain points the complaints mm -hmm. that you have about the software or workflow or processes that you have to go through day to day um, because then I can feed that back up to our labs our labs team we can write better articles our support team knows what to expect and how to handle different situations and things like that um so yeah for me i i'm always trying to figure out how to present the information that we have in a in the best way to help the people who who follow and, and listen to us right. yeah. so if i know what hurts i can put the the right stuff in front of the right people yeah because there's really no way around it that as much as we try and we and, and we do we put a lot of energy into 
being where our customers are and speaking those languages still our first language. That's our second language. Our first language is still tech. And we battle with that every day. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, crap, we use an acronym again and you know stuff like that. So knowing yeah. how to how to package things is helpful. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's why I love these streams. Uh, you know, I, I've watched most of the one with with uh, Gary and Ryan. I'm about halfway mm-hmm. through the one with Nico and, and uh, Matt and Don and I love it. Uh, anytime that the the outside guest is speaking, it's like I've never heard that before. And and especially when the world is changing, like almost anything we knew from last year doesn't apply. So like, what do you do now? What's changed? What's different? Yeah, yeah. Uh, another question from Tulio's Tech: uh, Are Puget Systems workstations overclocked for the mm-hmm. user by default? That could be a quick one. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't get into that. And, and you know, that used to be a stronger, um, uh, there was a stronger payoff to overclocking in the past, but everything is running with turbo modes and, and whatever. At this point, the best thing that you can do is make sure you're adequately cooling your computer, make sure it can sustain that boost that's already built in. Uh, we don't see enough. There is, you know, I'm sure there's some advantage, but we don't see enough reward to offset the risk when it comes to running outside spec. There's a job to do. We keep we keep within spec. Reliability first, performance a close second. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot. Time is really what we sell. And if your machine explodes or dies in the middle of something incredibly important and it takes 30 minutes or an hour or a week of phone calls to fix it and you just missed a $10,000 deadline. Yeah. One of my favorite things, I was speaking with Pai Jursa, um, he's a photographer. He lost five, five photographs, I think it was, uh, from, a, from a shoot and it cost him five grand. Really? And like a lost opportunity? Something along those lines. I don't quote exactly, but I remember talking to him about it. And um, like an SS or a little SD card had died or he lost oh, sure. he'd lost a few photographs. And as recompense to to kind of, you know, soothe the customer, he, he cut a chunk off of his cost. Uh-huh. But that's the kind of thing that, yeah. that we try to avoid because, man, it, it when minutes are thousands of dollars, yeah. And that's tough. That's tough for us to say because like we're a performance PC company, but like the predictability of that performance trumps the performance in the first place. Um, you, you have to be able to plan around it and rely on it. Otherwise, you, we're like we're not even fulfilling our mission of that because our mission is we are providing technology you can rely on to do your job. And if we're eroding that reliability, then that's undermining our entire mission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. We, we, we burned up our hour real it fast. Our way. It oh, real fast. fast. Um, so I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave just a few more minutes. Uh, if there's any final questions that anybody wants to ask, get them in there right now. Um, but otherwise, um, is there anything you would like to, to say or comment or, or let anybody, anything? What's some, my final question, what is something about either owning a business in general, this business more specifically, um, or or the the computer building kind of industry in general that you would like people to know that that you think maybe they don't. Uh, oh man, I, that it's about people. Uh, I, I, does that sound cheesy? Um, <laughs> I think I, I was listening to a an interview that I think Elon Musk was doing about like their new um, Starship facility and he said designing rockets is easy designing a process that designs rockets is like exponentially more difficult and i i remember watching it like yes <laughs> because that's exactly what we're dealing with uh building a computer is easy uh building an organization that reliably outputs experiences in computers that's like 100 times more difficult um but what it keeps coming back to is like, but as long as we are aligned, like we're humans aligned in a singular purpose and me as a leader can do what I need to do much better at, but like is provide that like vision and clarity of where we're going, then you rely on our, your people to get you there and to work together. And on, honestly, like, that it's been a challenging year for that because we have half our people from home. We have a whole influx of new people. And, you know, this is a, and the world just like, is angry at each other all the time now. Um, and so like, it's a challenging time to be in the middle of that, all that, but it also makes me especially 
grateful of the people that we surround ourselves with here. Like we have awesome people here. And so like, you know, I can take kudos on a stream like this and I always feel guilty about that because like I didn't do it. <laughs> like I might have I might have like in the very beginning started this spark, but at, at at some point, like it takes on a life of its own and it's really good people that then attract other really good people. And you know, you have challenges, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is that even a statement? Uh, it's difficult, but I'm blessed with with really great people that that uh, put, pull along with me. Yeah. All right. One one final question then from the audience. Largo Sensei on Twitch asks: Given the variety of hardware options existing, what would be the major factors for an integrator to support a new OS for builds being distributed? To support a new OS. Um, if I understand the question properly, it's okay. A new operating system comes out. What's the most problematic thing, or what's the biggest constraint? Yeah, like it almost always comes down to the motherboard, um, mm. because you know that's where the most diversity is. It's almost a given. They're like, okay, are there going to be Windows 11 drivers for NVIDIA 3080s? Yes. <laughs> no um, but you know, the motherboards is where there's all this diversity of like this different sound chip or this different Wi-Fi chip or this different network controller. That's always where it, where it comes together. So with any new operating system, the very first thing we do is validate our most high volume motherboards. And then we work down to the ones that like we only sell a couple of months. Um, but that's that's always where something goes wrong, uh, especially sure. with like Linux. You end up with like this platform is amazing except networking doesn't work. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. um, so that, that's always where there's like a hundred things that have to work together at the same time. And that's usually what holds us back um, sure. from a new OS launch. Right awesome. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for for, for cool. stopping yeah, by fun. and taking, taking an hour out of, I'm sure, your very busy day. Um, and thanks again to the audience for joining us, totally. talking with John. And, and, and huge thanks to anybody who was here for the whole week. What a week of, man, of content, of, of information, of learning, and, and just discussion was incredible. I, I really kind of hope we do this again next year, and, and it'll be awesome. You're going to take a nice relaxing weekend after hosting a whole week? Yes, yes. This is... <laughs> This, honestly, this took, I have to say, this took more mental than I expected um, yeah. in comparison to, like, the build streams and stuff. Um, yes, this was, it was a well, lot of fun, and I learned a lot, but it was, there was a lot to, to manage. Sure. Well, and like I was talking about earlier, like, when we get outside tech, we get outside what is, like, built into us as comfortable, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, which is where we grow, but it doesn't come naturally. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Next year, if we do this, it'll be so much better. It'll be rocking. This will awesome. be great. So awesome. thanks again, and we'll see you all next time. We will be back, I think, next Wednesday, uh, 1 p.m., back for our regularly programmed schedule or scheduled program. So thanks, everybody, <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>